Welcome to Audacity Works, a podcast inspired by and dedicated to the working artist, the creative entrepreneur, and generally doing the damn thing. This exists on the premise that the world belongs to those who have the audacity to believe that their lives have value. This is for you. Hi, friends, and welcome to Audacity Works. I am your host, Rachel Strickland, and this is episode number 21, which is all about the Spring Festival of Ostara, and I'm going to explain what that means. So, about a month and a half ago, I released an episode on Imbolc, which is uh, another spring festival, an early spring festival on the Wheel of the Year, uh, which for all intents and purposes, we can call the Witch Calendar. And I got uh, enough messages, uh, really, it only takes like four to get me to do something, quite honestly. Uh, And I had asked, like, is this something that people want to know more about? And I got four yeses and no no's. So um, I'm going to keep doing it. This is the next festival on the Wheel of the Year. The Wheel of the Year is a, a modern calendar based on a lot of really old festivals. And this one is a what we call a solar festival. There are four solar festivals and they are the equinoxes and the solstices. And the other four festivals on the wheel of the year are fire festivals. So Ostara is a solar festival corresponding with, of course, the spring equinox, which should be round about today since I'm releasing this on Wednesday, March 22nd. Side note, it's also my best bitch's birthday. So, uh, happy birthday. You don't listen to this podcast, but I'm telling you anyway. Ha <laughs> ha, I'll see you Friday. The name Ostara comes from uh, the name of a goddess. It's an old Germanic goddess uh, called Eoster or Yostra. And that etymology, you can trace it if you like. It goes back and back and back. And the closest approximation to a translation I can find is dawn, you know, light glowing, the dawn, uh, the beginning. And there isn't a whole lot known about this goddess uh, or the worship of her, which is not surprising because these were oral traditions, not written traditions. Her name was also given to some some uses of a word that I'm not even going to try to pronounce, uh, but it it contained the word Yostra and it was used to refer to April, frankly. So I think we need to like address something that happens kind of culturally where we talk about an ancient holiday. We're like, oh, it's, it's so old and these traditions have been handed down from time, from the land before time. And is that true? Or did we just make a bunch of it up? Because there's conflicting reports. When I did the episode about Imbolc, Imbolc has very clear roots in pre-Celtic Ireland uh, and ancient Ireland. And Ostara does not have clear roots in in, it related to any kind of Irish culture that I could find. So if you are keen on classicism... I don't have a lot of good news for you because this is more like ideas handed down, like I've said, through a, through oral traditions of ways of celebrating Yostra or Ostara. And we do that without a whole bunch of texts to follow, which in my opinion is kind of part of the appeal. 
of being a pagan in the first place. You get to learn a bunch of stories and see why they were significant to people, why they can be significant to us now. And there, there isn't a book, you know, with rules to follow. There, there's not a lot of written anything. And I like that about paganism. And I've also gotten into <laughs> many conversations uh, with, um, frankly, dudes in coffee shops. God, that sounds so hipster, but you know, that's what happened about like, well, if there's no written records and there's no like prescribed way of living, then aren't you kind of making it up? Like, what's your point? What, when has it not been made up? And I am happy to die on that hill. Also, uh, it brings up an interesting question, like, um, as an American, we tend to be impressed with antiquity because we don't have a whole lot of it over here. We have the earth and like indigenous cultures. Uh, but as far as uh, records of our direct ancestors that we can like go and look at, like a lot of Americans don't even know who their ancestors are. And it, it's fine. <laughs> See like an old building. Uh, I have had many friends come to visit me from Europe and I'll be showing them around and you're like, Oh, so this building is like 200 years old. And they'll just look at me and they're like, Oh, that's cute. That's real cute. There's a landmark in my hometown that is literally many, many centuries old, (laughs) like a millennia. Like, Oh, right. Y'all have a lot of old stuff there. But I do think that it's worth bringing up because there's sort of this unwritten rule that the antiquity of something uh, is where it gets its gravity. And does a holiday's antiquity and the ability to research it at length correspond with its significance? Like, is it a tale as old as time or was it invented in the 80s? And does it matter? Up for uh, you to decide for yourself. It's just something that comes up in conversation around these topics um, that I wanted to address. So back to what little history uh, we're going to dive into here. Uh, There's a lot of speculation about Yostra uh, being, uh, you know, versions of Ishtar or Freya, or maybe that she wasn't a goddess at all. But again, this is because of oral traditions passing down these stories and cultures overlapping and sharing their traditions. But we can find out that Yostra is an Anglo-Saxon goddess of the spring uh, and possibly a localized version of a much wider known uh, Germanic goddess, Ostara. And obviously, like, you know, the word Easter, where, where does it come from? It's not a big jump. You know, it's not a hard question. And there's also a lot of conversations around like, well, the Christian church stole it. Like, I'm not going to argue with that, but I think it's probably equally as likely in some cases that it wasn't stolen out of nefarious intent, but it was just adopted because that's the thing that people were doing at that time of year. They were celebrating Yostra, Ostara, and, you know, 
that's what they were calling it. So now one of Christianity's most significant anniversaries, uh, the resurrection of Christ, if I'm getting of Christ, kind of forgot the T on the end of that. I'm leaving all of this in. But okay, yeah, so word for Easter, yep, comes from the same place. And we can also um, surmise, because there's no, sur- there's no surmising happening, like rabbits and eggs are old symbols of new beginnings and fertility and fecundity. There are a, a lot of stories that like the goddess Ostara, uh, like she found a bird and its wings were injured, so she turned it into a rabbit but the rabbit missed its ability to lay eggs. So she's like, okay, you can still lay eggs like once a year at my festival. And then it would lay these beautiful eggs. And uh, it was very unclear through what I read, whether this story was from the late 1800s or from the 80s. And doesn't matter. But regardless of where it comes from and how old it is, uh, we, we can move forward with clarity uh, about the fact that Ostara and Yostra, the goddesses, uh, represented spring fecundity and love, the love and the carnal pleasure that leads to fecundity. And this reminds me of uh, a line from Doreen Valiente's The Charge of the Goddess, which reads, all acts of love and pleasure are my rituals. I love that so much. I'm going to say it again. All acts of love and pleasure are my rituals. Not a bad axiom to remember. The one thing that is clear is why rabbits, specifically hares, like the March hares, um, are a symbol for this festival. Because, um, you know, rabbits, they be doing it. They be doing it and making all the babies. That's kind of what they do. And apparently hares are uh, are more nocturnal, the, like March hares, those big rabbits that I've never seen in real life. But during March, it's their mating season, so they're out and about all day uh, for a period of time. Also, here's a little horrifying thing I didn't know. A March hare can get pregnant with a second litter while already pregnant. Dude. Okay. So no secret there, like why the hair is a symbol of fecundity, of abundance and fertility. mm, I am so sorry. Yep, I'm apologizing to the hair. Can you imagine? And I don't think anyone needs me to explain why an egg is a symbol of new beginnings, because I just don't have time for that. Um, So there it is. But okay, so here we are. It's the spring equinox. It's called Ostara in some places. And regardless of its antiquity and regardless of its history, I think that we can all agree that humanity is inclined to celebrate when the winter, the long dark of winter draws to a close and the days start to get warm again and the flowers come up. Everyone pretty unanimously seems to be like, cool, this is better at least for a change. So springtime, always a thing to celebrate in my book. And here are some ways that you can celebrate Ostara. And the, I mean, truly, planting seeds is a very simple 
ritual that's not even a ritual, but it can be ritualized, which just means doing it with more intention. But this is round about the time that, uh, at least where I live in Charleston, South Carolina, the danger of the last frost has been passed. I mean, technically it's at the end of the month and it could still come and snatch us up, um, but it's very unlikely. So check the almanac, you know, there's farmer's almanac for your area to find out when the danger of frost is past so that you can plant you some seeds out in the garden or scratch some soil in some way. It's, just, it's good. It's good to get your hands dirty. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you know I am obsessed with my yard and I'm not very good at it, but I really, really, really get a kick out of it, planting things and seeing them come up through the soil. Very, very exciting for me. So plant you some seeds. And also this would be a very good time uh, psychologically to decide what other kind of seeds you want to be planting. That's right. Getting out the old journal, doing the morning pages and writing about what, what do you want? What do you want? Because like magically speaking, the seeds that we plant now will be the harvest that we reap in several months when the, when the harvest festivals start rolling in. There's three of those. Woohoo! It appears I'm going to be talking about all of them as they come up. So what do you want? And writing it down and getting clear on those things. Because otherwise we can, and often do, just walking around for the longest time, just bumping into things. We're like, oh, okay, I guess this is happening. And we forget uh, we forget that we can enact change. So we end up just reacting to life as it happens to us and not being the impetus for change. And we rem- when we remember that we do, in fact, have that power and have that autonomy, it's kind of a wonderful moment. Which brings me to my personally, my favorite way to celebrate a star that I have done for many, many years. Oh my God. Oh almost a quarter of a century, which is a very fancy way of saying um, almost 25 years that I have been doing this particular ritual, which is my favorite. And it is to get some eggs, hard boiled eggs or soft boiled, you know, do what you want to do and dyeing them or painting them. But Rachel, you might say, this sounds a lot like Easter eggs. Didn't we just have this conversation? I feel like we just had this conversation. So anyway, you decorate them in some way or not. Uh, I like to try and dye them blood red, and I've never successfully done it. They always end up like pink or purple, and neither, that's just not cutting it for me. I want blood red eggs for Ostara. I just think it fits. I, I like the way that looks in my head, and I can't get it to happen in real life, but uh, that's what I'm after. I'll try again this year. And then you take your egg, and you take like a like a Sharpie, some kind of felt-tipped pen after it's dry, and you write down all those wishes that you that you realize you want to pursue, things that you want to do, create in your life, directions that you want to lean into, and you write those down on the egg. And there's not a lot of room on an egg, so you might need more than one, or you can use pictures or symbols to represent those things. And then, uh, you know, you eat the egg and you bury the eggshells outside. And I remember doing this 
in college very clearly. And my, my friends would join me, even though they have no idea. They're like, what are we doing? Oh, okay, writing wishes on eggs. Cool. They didn't know where it came from, and frankly, neither did I. And it didn't matter because the the objective was the same, you know, to to know what it was that you wish for and to like do some kind of magical ritualized activity together that wasn't at all solemn, by the way. It was always hilarious. And I've been doing it for many years. I've done it with many friends and buried many an eggshell. Always a good time. I remember doing this in college, which must have been tricky. Like, where did we get hard-boiled eggs? It's not like we were allowed to have a hot plate in the dorms. So I guess we got them from the cafeteria. And it was a really diverse group of people. It was like, most of which had never heard of Ostara before, but we were all game to do it. And then we all took our our eggshells out to the botanical gardens where there's this massive sycamore tree that I hope and pray is still there. It was the last time I went to visit. This is at UNC Asheville in North Carolina. And that's the tree. Like that's where we would leave the eggshells. And sometimes we shared our wishes with each other that we had chosen and written down. And sometimes we didn't, which really, okay, this is off topic, but I've been meaning to, there's a whole cultural stigma about if you tell a wish, it won't come true. And that is just such bullshit. I cannot stand it. Because more like the opposite is true. If you don't ever vocalize or articulate the things that you wish for, then it's not going to come true. Then there's no impetus. There's it, It's still just rattling around in your skull. So it's my firm belief that there were two people and they saw a shooting star and person one says to person two, okay, oh, it's a shooting star, make a wish. And person number two, unbeknownst to person number one, made some kind of wish in their heads for sexual activity with person number one. And uh, and then person number one's like, oh, what'd you wish for? And they're like, uh, uh, I can't tell you or it won't come true. I have made up my mind that that is where that custom comes from, that if you tell a wish, it won't come true. So I reject that axiom. I don't believe it. I think you should tell your wishes to as many trusted people as you want. So while you're writing out your wishes and putting them on eggs and then burying them in the garden, why not? Talk about it as well to the people in your life that love you. So that is what I will be doing uh, today. And uh, there's also, I found some other, um, some other little ways of observing the holiday uh, online. And one of which was to wash your face in the morning dew. I love that. They called it holy water. And I love that too, because yeah, I get that. And I you know, I don't know if I'm usually awake for the morning dew, but now I want to be, and I think it'd probably be really good for your vagus nerve as well to wash your face in like cold morning dew. Doesn't that sound awesome? God, I want to do that. I'm going to do it. And of course, just decorating your home with uh, flowers or, or greenery. If you don't live in a place where things are blooming, I hope you live in a place where things are turning green or are green. I don't know what hemisphere you live in. But I do think that it's always good to bring some green into the home. 
So I've got my eye on the time, wrapping it up. I just wanted to wish you happy Ostara, happy Easter, happy spring, whatever it is that you celebrate, and whatever it is that you feel interested in and excited by right now. I honor that because interest and excitement and being compelled towards something are metrics that I think are very much underrated. Have fun writing out your wishes. Have fun um, deciding what seeds you want to plant. And thank you so much for being here. I know you could do lots of things with this time, and you chose to listen to my voice. I really appreciate that. If you have requests for future episodes, my DMs are always open on Instagram at Rachel Strickland Creative or on Patreon at Rachel Strickland Creative. And if you want to say, hey, thanks for this, the best thing you could do for me would be to share it with someone that you think it might interest. Happy dawning. Don't go back to sleep. <laughs>